Welcome back, Revolutionary. I am so glad you've chosen to join me for your second episode of Personal Revolution. You can enroll by downloading the Himalaya app and searching for Personal Revolution. Click Become a Member, and there you are. You'll become part of our members-only community, and you'll get lifetime access to the entire series and everything that comes with it. Join me. Join the community. Let's do this. I call this episode, Where Do You Want to Be? Smart Goal Setting. So everyone, and that means you, is listening to this podcast course for one of two reasons, right? Number one, you know where you want to be. You aren't there yet, but you know where you want to be. Or number two, you know where you don't want to be, meaning you're meh where you are now, but you want to get somewhere else. Or you are not happy with where you want to be and you want to get the heck out of there. Does that sound about right? You're moving towards something or you're moving away from something. A podcast course like this speaks to a person who wants to take action and for whatever reason hasn't been able to take action yet. In the introductory episode, the first episode, you identified why you chose to listen to the podcast course. The goal of this episode is to clarify what you need to do and how you need to do it in order to obtain your goal. I will ask you powerful questions to get your juices flowing, and by the end of the episode, you'll have refined your goal using the smart goal-setting techniques. My questions are designed to help you dig deep and create new thoughts. Please don't answer them superficially, as tempting as that might be. I don't want the one-word answer. Truly stop and think. And when you give it that time and space, you'll discover new ideas and connections in your mind, right? These are the powerful aha moments. These connections may come to you while you answer the question, or they might come tomorrow morning in the shower, right? Who doesn't have great thoughts in the shower? Or maybe while you're out walking the dog. They might come to you in a dream. They come when they come. Just create the space, right? You're creating that primordial soup (laughs) in your mind to have new, fresh life. As you listen to this episode, please keep in mind that coaching work takes time, and that time is active. Unlike passive activities like watching a movie or reading a novel, you are the author of this story. You are in the driver's seat and you can decide where you want to go. Take the wheel, baby. Set aside time that the process needs about two to five hours a week. Yeah, I said it. Two to five hours a week. Just like if you are exercising with a personal trainer, you're working out with a personal coach right now. Two to five hours a week. Use that time to listen to the episode reveal and capture your insights, complete the reflection and action stop points, and any additional actions you assign yourself. I believe wholeheartedly in the impact of positive thinking, as long as it's accompanied by action, because thinking great thoughts ain't going to get you there, baby. You got to do the work. My clients achieve their goals by using the inspiration from insights to create momentum that leads to action. So first, Let's talk about how to learn yourself to find your goal. What does that mean, to learn yourself? People often come to me in a state of stress. Something in their life is not working as they'd like it to. My first job is to probe their desire for change, learn more about where they're coming from, and why do they want the change now? And so let's get started with the questions, right? Why now? Why specifically today? Why not last month? Why do you have urgency now? 
In my office, clients arrive ready to share. Some may talk for the first 20 or 30 minutes of our first session. I record their comments, put some structure to it, and ask a deeper level of question. Here's an example of a real client story. Amalia was a high-achieving client with a Harvard Law degree and a young child. Her challenge? She hated practicing law. She was not alone. Many lawyers do. But in addition, she had crushing debt, over $300,000 of it. In our first conversation, she asked the following questions. How can I not pursue the law? How will I repay my debts? How can I let down my parents who supported my ambition? As a woman of both Latin and African-American descent, she felt a sense of obligation to excel in her field. And then she detailed how practicing law made her physically sick. She shook her head in disbelief that she had come to this point. I am a disappointment to myself, to my parents, to Latinas, and to African-Americans. As her coach, I asked the following questions one at a time with long pauses between so that she could respond. If you weren't a disappointment, what would you be? What's the opposite of disappointment? Who, for you, embodies this other quality? How would you describe someone who chooses to speak to a coach to address concerns like this? What do you think of someone with a Harvard Law degree who stops practicing law? Do you know anyone who has? If your child came to you in 25 years with these questions, how would you respond? She looked to the side and took her time with each question. I could tell that these questions stimulated fresh thoughts in her mind. She started talking about bravery and authenticity and recognized that she didn't know a lot of people who left law. She gave herself the action item of finding some of these people who left law for other careers. She began identifying role models who she could emulate. So right now, it's time for you to move forward and start answering your own questions. Let's access those deeper, more powerful original thoughts. Let's put the magnificent engine of your brain to use. Ready? First, Let's take a step back and look at what's going right with your life. Imagine if you went to your doctor with a sore throat and your doctor said to you, your muscle tone is incredible, your weight is perfect, your eyesight is better than most people your age. This sore throat is surmountable and we'll fix it. How comforting would that be, right? You might even heal a bit faster knowing you're really healthy. Goal setting can become so focused on fixing and improving the thing that isn't working right now that you can overlook how much you have going for you. So let's shift your thinking to a more positive state and focus on the good things you're doing, what's going well. Here is your first reflection stop point. So this is the thinking time, ready? Here come the questions. Like I said, no one word answers, please. Let's really take the time to think. If you need to put me on pause, please do so. When's the last time you had a great laugh? What caused it? What are you most proud of professionally right now? What kinds of awards or accomplishments have you received? Think about when you found out that you were getting it. Take yourself through the whole story. This can be first grade. This can be fifth grade. This can be a professional accomplishment you just got in the last three years. 
awards or accomplishments. Running a marathon, getting over a high jump bar, having a baby, falling in love, booking your first vacation as an adult, anything. Awards or accomplishments. What is one of your best traits? No modesty necessary. It's just me and you. What's another good trait? How about one more? Who is someone, and this is the last question, who is someone that you have a strong relationship with? Why did you choose that person to have a relationship with? Why did they choose you? Okay, that's it for the reflection stop point. Again, this can take five minutes. This can take 30 minutes. Let those questions take you away. Hopefully these are fresh thoughts that you're having. And if they're not fresh thoughts, keep writing or keep thinking or keep typing or talking until you have the fresh thought. Go with it. Now let's look backwards to look forward, right? We're gonna pull back the bow in the bow and arrow to spring that arrow forward. I love to do grounding exercises to help my clients look at their early passions and interests. So let's look at yours. These are the things that you are proud of and areas where you excelled when you were like little or, or even in high school. Are those foundational affinities still in your life? This reflection doesn't only need to focus on positive achievements, even challenges or obstacles you faced, right? I talked about someone slamming the door on me, on me because I was Jewish. Well, Judaism is a really big part of my identity now, right? So that sort of helped me develop that thing I didn't even know I had. So challenges or obstacles can be illuminating and lead to positive memories of resilience or character building. Here's another reflection stop point. Did you used to love music or dancing? When's the last time you saw live music or played an instrument or danced? Did you ever paint or sculpt? What did you like about it? Which of the visual arts appealed to you? Did you ever receive recognition for writing or singing, playing a musical instrument, anything else? Now, side note, I love when I ask these questions of my clients, right? Because a client can come in and tell me how things are so hard, so difficult, and then I'll find out they were first seat violin. Then I found out they played division one basketball in college. Everybody has a thing. So right now, tell me what you're great at. Last question for this reflection stop point. Was there a situation where someone said no to something you wanted to do and you did it anyway? Recount the whole story beginning to end. Don't leave out any details. 
Looking back at your younger self and the things that were important to you early in your life can be a very helpful way to identify opportunities in your present and ways that you can reconnect with yourself. If you're feeling unhappy, simply recalling the last time that you were happy and the details of that moment can help you feel more like yourself. Reliving the memory helps you reconnect to those positive feelings and bring them into the present. Don't worry, I won't tell you to quit your job and become a musician just because you loved drumming as a seven-year-old. But recognizing those deep-seated passions can be useful in remembering parts of what makes you, you. If you structure your thinking around these formative interests and passions, you'll find yourself standing on more solid ground. Time for another reflection stop point. When you were a child, how did you play? Alone? In groups? What were the games that you played or invented? How did you play them? Who were your friends and why did you choose them? As a teenager, what were the things you could do for hours without noticing time passing? Important side note. This does not involve social media. If you're a big gamer, yes, it could involve games, but I'm really interested in what's happening in the analog world, ideally between people or with an instrument or something else. So again, as a teenager, what were the things that you could do for hours without noticing time passing? Describe a time in your life when you felt confident. What made you feel that way? And last question. If you could time travel back to any age between birth and 20 years, what age would you choose? Now, imagine that you're that age again. How would you spend one day? Since we're just in the second episode, the very beginning of the second episode of this podcast course, I'm really excited to learn about you, right? And for you to reconnect with yourself, right? This is the time to figure out that goal. All this pre-work makes the rest of it just easy, right? Let's do the hard work now, the thinking. Who are you? What makes you you? What inspires you? What is your uniqueness, right? Let's get underneath all that. This work, believe me, will make the goal setting easy. So next, after you've done this work, and please do the work, let's conceive your spectacular future. If you chose to listen to this podcast course because you're feeling restless or unsatisfied, one way to flip that feeling and find more ease is to ask yourself what a better future would look like. You know if you're unhappy in your relationship or at your job, perseverating on that unhappiness magnifies it. Like Amalia, when she focused on her positive future, right, what a better situation looks like, then she could build it. But when she sat there with the guilt about the Harvard and the lawyer, like, she couldn't even say, I hate this. I don't want to do it. I'm going to do something else. So let's get out of the negative and into the positive. Conceiving the future is the best first step you need to take in order to build it. Replace your overload and anxiety with excitement and possibility. 
one question. It's a big one. If you had a magic wand and the power to change your current situation, what would you point that wand at? What specific change would you make? So these are questions that only you can answer. You are the expert on you. They are important, so take your time with them. I anticipate that answering these questions will take at least an hour if done thoughtfully and thoroughly. You can put the podcast course on hold. I will be here when you come back, but take your time. Go deep. Connect with yourself. You're awesome, and you get to spend all day with you. Interview yourself. Find out what makes you tick. Now I'd love to share the concept of the resume life versus the epitaph life. So David Brooks, the New York Times columnist, recently had a best-selling book called The Road to Character, and he opened it with a discussion of the resume self versus the epitaph self. The concept just stopped me in my tracks when I read it. I hope you appreciate it as well. It was a brilliant and somewhat chilling illustration of the two facets of a person, right? Your achievements and goals on your resume versus your values and relationships, as that's what's usually on your epitaph, right? The contribution, because after all, that's written not by you, but by the people who loved you, right? So they have a very different perspective on you. So here's like a brief take on his framework. An epitaph is a phrase or a statement that's written to memorialize someone, right? Just like I said, it's not written by you. It's the sort of thing that's said about someone at a funeral or written on a gravestone. Epitaphs are usually concerned with timeless truths about a person who the world knew them to be. It's a snapshot of their character. A resume, or these days a LinkedIn profile, is the way we present ourselves in a professional setting. What have I achieved? What have I done? Where was I educated? What was my job title? What are my career accomplishments and ambitions? One slice. Maybe at the end you have interests where you talk about being an Olympic skier or a former military vet. But usually that's like in the 10-point font at the bottom. Today... Many people focus more on their resume self than on their epitaph self, right? That's David Brooks's premise, and I can only agree. Does what you've done define who you are, or are your character and values who you are? Epitaphs focus on relationships, your friendships, your family, your community. There's not room for this on your resume. Nobody cares that I'm a stepmom on my resume, right? The epitaph is the more human side of who I am. Many hours of the day, however, are spent on the resume self. When you're setting a goal, it's important to consider the goal in the context of both of yourselves. Okay, for your next reflection stop point, you're going to need a copy of your resume. So go grab it and let's get into this. Take a look at your resume. What are you most proud of and why? Which resume accomplishments surprise you. Like, oh, I really did that. <laughs> what are the skills on your resume that you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing that is not mentioned on your resume? All 
All right, here's a big one. Ready? If you were to write your epitaph today, what would you write? And honestly, on this one, go long. It's much harder to go short than go long, so go long. How would you like to be described in your epitaph after you die? We had the question about the epitaph today. Now I'm asking, how would you like to be described in your epitaph after you die? Is there a difference between your last two answers? I'm guessing there are. The last one will involve many more decades, probably more people, etc., more accomplishments. Look at the difference and identify some key things you need to do to bridge the gap. Now, this might be goals for a lifetime. This next one really depends on how old you are. The first question is, what did you care about most during the last decade? Now look at the decade before. So if you're 50, you're going to look at what did you care about most in your 40s, then go back to the 30s, then go back to the 20s, go back to the teens, and then 10 and under. Last question. What will be important to you in the next decade? So I just want to take a second to acknowledge you. You are answering a lot of questions and you are going really deep, right? This coach starts you at the deep end of the pool. So I just want to acknowledge you and congratulate you for doing this work. This already is change. I'm hoping you're feeling calm and hopeful, like a little bit of caffeine, but in a good way, not when you're overcaffeinated and stressed. I hope you're feeling really good. I am so proud of you for taking the time to listen and to answer these questions, to really think about it. Man, this makes all the difference. So on behalf of your future you, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. You're just killing it. So now it's time to return to your original goal, the reason you chose to have a personal revolution in the first place and to take it to the next level. If you haven't heard of smart goal setting, you're in for a treat. And if you've done smart goal setting before, you know just how powerful it can be. SMART, again, is an acronym. It stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. I'm going to go and drill down into each one of those now. A specific goal is clear, meaning it states your objective in simple and plain language. I want to leave my job. I want to find a new house, sign a lease, and move in. I want to become pregnant. A measurable goal is quantifiable, and you'll know if you've done it or not. Instead of trying to lose weight, vow to lose 20 pounds. That way, you'll be able to measure your progress. Are you halfway there, less than halfway? Did you totally kill it and over-deliver on your goal? Measurable. Now, this may seem incompatible with some goals, right? How would you measure your progress toward achieving spiritual happiness or making a house a home? Yes, even an esoteric goal can be broken down into milestones that are measurable. For example, in my personal life, I once had an urgent goal to feel part of a new community. I had moved to the suburbs and was a new stepmom and I was feeling adrift. I broke the big goal, right, feel a part of a community, into measurable components. Reach out to three new women this month and invite them to do something socially. Set up one play date a week. Find a gym or a yoga place or do trial weeks until I commit to one, right? You can break it down into specific actions. 
When a goal is measurable, you'll know when you've achieved it. An attainable goal is something that will stretch you, right? Any worthwhile goal will stretch you. But attainable means it's still within your powers. Do you have the skills, knowledge, and ability to make it happen? If so, great. If not, perhaps attaining those things could be a more appropriate goal right now. Like I said, if you want to run a marathon and you're 200 pounds overweight, maybe we work on the weight first and we make the marathon a later goal. For example, you might have a goal of getting married. If you're single, that goal feels a little far away. Even so, there are ways to give yourself the tools to make this within your powers. There's like an awesome TED Talk from author Amy Webb, who uses statistical analysis to find a partner and beat the online dating system. If your goal happens to be happens to involve your love life, I implore you, look for a TED Talk from Amy Webb, W-E-B-B. It'll crack you up, and she'll tell you how she systematized <laughs> a statistical approach to beating online dating systems. And uh, I'll just leave the punchline for her. If you want to climb the Himalayas, you could do it if you planned it right now. Lots of people have done it. Just because it's attainable doesn't mean it's easy, but with a plan, you can do it. Next is relevant. A relevant goal is something that is so meaningful and valuable to you that you're willing to put in the time and effort it will take to do it. Again, losing 20 pounds, if you'd rather have cheese, chocolate, and wine, you know, like maybe that's a 10-pound thing, but you're going to have a little cushion and that's part of you and that's great. A goal is relevant if it's something that makes you feel nervous excitement when you think about it. A goal without relevance or one that doesn't get you a little amped up and emotional and excited will probably never be reached. Many people want to run a marathon, even if not everyone who wants to do it actually does it. In the last few decades, it's become popular to connect to the goal of running a marathon for a charitable cause. Because if you run that marathon to raise money for breast cancer in honor of a dear aunt who was recently diagnosed, that goal becomes more relevant, and you'll have a much better chance of reaching it, even though it's not any easier than it would have been without doing it for that reason, right? A marathon's still 26.2 miles, right? You still got to do foot after foot. But keeping your aunt in mind made that goal more relevant. A time-bound goal has a time limit attached to it. This adds a sense of urgency that will help motivate you to get right to work. For example, your goal might be to run the famous Boston Marathon. The Boston Marathon is held every year on a specific day in April. To be a participating runner, you have to qualify for it by a certain deadline. So that date would become your built-in timeline. All right, are you ready for your first action stop point? We are about to create your SMART goal. So refer to the original goal you wrote down in the introduction, right? And let's check the following. Number one, is it specific? Is this a clearly and simply stated goal? Does it explain what will be accomplished? Number two, is it measurable? How will you know when the goal has been reached? Number three, I bet you know where I'm going with this one. Is it achievable? Is it possible? Do you have the skills and tools to do it? If not, perhaps your goal may be how you plan on obtaining those skills and tools. Next, why is it relevant to you right now? What's the meaning or purpose of this goal? And why is it important to you? Now, last 
Is it time-bound? When will you achieve this goal? Is there a strong sense of urgency? And for the purposes of this Personal Revolution podcast course, please make it three months, right? We have three months that we're working together. Please use whatever today is. Three months from now, that's the date, right? That's when this is happening or prior to then. But let's use that three-month window. Now, I'd like you to rewrite your goal so that it's a smart goal and meets the criteria. So that means specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. I want to make one more note about our time frame. Again, this Personal Revolution podcast course is designed for the pursuit and achievement of a goal in a three-month period. Three months is a significant period of time for a change, right? It's a season. It's a fiscal quarter. It's a school term. It's enough time to accomplish quite a bit and not enough time to get complacent, right? It's not like, oh, it's in six months from now. I'll worry about that later. Like, no, 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 you're going to do it now. When it comes to considering your goal's time frame, keep in mind that certain goals will take longer than others. If you have a 15 or 20-year career and your goal is to find a new career, changing careers is a six-month goal. If it's your first job, you're currently unemployed, and you can put all your energy into finding a job, that's more likely a three-month goal. So if you have a six-month goal of finding a new career, for instance, break that down into a smaller goal of identifying and pursuing possible career paths. Identify what you want and don't want, where the ideal job is located, what kind of company might work for you, what kind of positions you want to target. Determine the who, the what, the where, the when, and how of your goal. Perhaps your first few months are spent doing research and gathering data. Believe me, when people come and they hate their job and they want to change their job yesterday, this first three months can be excruciating. But if you don't do it right, you end up in another job you don't want. Please take the time. If your goal is to have a baby or get married, then the time frame will be dependent on where you are in your life. If you have a partner who is ready and willing to have a child, then we're down to questions of fertility logistics. If you want to get married and you're single, well, that's different from somebody who wants to get married and has been seriously dating their partner for two years. And if you're like me, 38, one and a half babies and no partners in sight, well, then that's a different path altogether. But all of these are paths that have been trodden before us. So we're going to look to people who've done it to help pull us up. Every goal is achievable. For the purposes of this podcast course, try to find a goal that is realistically achievable within a three-month time frame. Now it's time to visualize. Let's feel your goal. Studies show that visualization is an important tool to help you achieve the goal you set. Golfers and Olympic athletes have used this technique for years. In a study by Richard Suen, a sports psychologist, skiers were monitored by an EMG machine, which detects muscle activity, while they pictured themselves skiing down a slope. Despite the fact that they were only imagining themselves skiing, the EMG results showed that they were activating the same muscles that they would use performing the actual activity. Visualization is shown to activate the muscles needed for a particular action, set up the mind and muscles before you execute, which increases confidence and ability, promote calm and relaxation, 
switch your focus to expecting positive outcomes instead of negative. That should be in neon lights there. I'm going to say that again. Switch your focus to expecting positive outcomes instead of negative. Help with recovery after injury and promote concentration. Listen, I said it twice for a reason. The most powerful point on this list for your purposes is switch your focus to expecting positive outcomes instead of negative. Expecting positive. Now, that's something to practice. And since you're going after a big, meaty goal, concentration, calm, and relaxation will also be good for you. But shifting your expectations to expect that this will happen? Man, that's the magic. Visualization will help you to establish your goal as real. The better you can imagine it and get your brain to see it, the more likely you are to believe in it and achieve it. Are you ready to visualize? Okay, good. We are at an action stop point. Ready? Picture what it will be like when you achieve your goal. What will it feel like when you do it? Now live this slowly. Experience it and let this be a detailed experience. I'm going to do a little bit of a guided meditation with you to help you think through it. If this is helpful, great. If not, tune me out. So the goal that you've set, you're now at the moment where you've achieved it. What do you do? First of all, what have you just done? How do you feel it in your body and recognize this achievement? Who would you thank in your mind? Who are you going to bring into this moment with you? How do you feel about having done this accomplishment? How do you feel about having spent the time, taken the time, invested the effort? How do you feel about it? How can you acknowledge yourself and the actions you've taken? Now, you knew this one was coming. Who are you going to call to share the good news with? Who might you be with when it happens? Where will you be when it happens? Take a look around. What are you wearing? What's the air like? Where are you physically? How is your life different now that you've done this thing? How would you like to celebrate this achievement? When you look back on how you've done it, who helped you? Feel free to stay with these thoughts for as long as you like. Paint the picture vividly. And when you're done, just rejoin me. Let's say your goal is to complete a book proposal in the next three months. The more you flesh that out, the better, right? So how many words will you write each day? Who will read the proposal during the three months? Where will you sit when you do the writing? Is there anything you need to give up to make space for your writing? During which hours will you work most effectively? Picturing yourself moving toward your goal is effective for gaining motivation and preparing yourself for the work it takes to achieve your goal. 
Let's try another example. Let's say you want to conceive a child and you know that you have challenges with fertility. A fertility specialist may ask you to visualize yourself with your baby. What does it feel like to have her in your arms? What is your partner saying? What's an ordinary moment at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? What's it like bathing your baby? Does she have a favorite blanket or hat? By making that baby tangible, it helps you to believe that this can happen. When you started this episode, you had a goal in mind. Through smart goal setting, you drilled down to get more clear about the hows, whys, whats, until you had a very specific, clear, achievable picture of yourself achieving the goal. And now, with visualization, you're painting a picture and telling a story. You're attaching emotions to the goal to increase your commitment. The goal is becoming real for you. This will give you momentum and an emotional connection to the goal that will help you overcome any challenges you encounter as you pursue it. Smart goal setting is the planning. Visualizing provides the emotion and momentum that will help you overcome the obstacles you will encounter along the way. Here's a client story. Sophia was a colleague who wanted to stop smoking. She wanted to stop like so many other smokers do, and she visualized herself giving I don't smoke anymore to her daughter as a birthday present. The emotional connection she had to that moment, right, to telling her daughter that she wasn't a smoker anymore, helped her quit. It helped her get through the hard times, and it helped her quit. Visualizing that moment helped her quit the way she hadn't been able to so many times before. Well, congratulations. You have made it. You are at the end of the episode. And I will tell you, this is probably the most intensive, thinking, thoughtful episode, right? We're creating the right goal for the right moment in your life based on who you are, your values, your character, your epitaph, the people you love, that moment you'll have in the next three months, right? You're doing a lot of great thinking work now. And I hope it's fun. I hope it, I mean, who's more interesting than you, right? I hope you're having a good time with all of this. Let me know if you are. So now it is time to do the work. Let's capture the insights you had. And whoo, boy, do you have lots of them, right? If you go and start looking through all of your worksheets, if you go back to all the questions you've answered, I mean, I think you've got pages and pages and pages of ideas, right? About who you are, your character, your values, insights, why this is important. You've got the great stuff. So right now, let's use the PDF. You can go over to Himalaya, sign up for the class, download the PDF worksheet for this chapter. And this is it, guys. This is the moment you are at the end. If you are not listening to this on Himalaya, you are at the end of the freebies. Episode one, episode two, boom. Don't leave me now, just now, when you got your goal, you got the emotion, you got the visualization. Man, let's do it. Come on. Don't stop now. Come on over to Himalaya. Purchase the course. It's 99 bucks. I know it's hard to believe. It's crazy inexpensive given all that you're going to get. Most importantly, that you're going to do this goal. How much would you pay to give this goal? 99 bucks? I think that's pittance, baby. So let's get on over there. Let's sign up. Let's do this course together. And now let's capture insights. 
So as I mentioned in the very first episode, insights and actions is a recurring section at the end of every episode. Insights are the thoughts you're thinking now, the exciting ideas that are buzzing around your head, or those which you've typed in or written down or drawn pictures of. Perhaps it's a new thought that you didn't even have before listening to this episode, or maybe it's a recurring thought that became like a steady drumbeat throughout this episode. Whatever it is, it has new importance and urgency. Baby, let's capture it. So I want you to make a careful note of of these new thoughts. Again, I'm not micromanaging you. You want to talk it into a speaker, make your own podcast of yourself? Great. You want to write it down? Super. Download the PDF. We've created the whole workbook for you so you can go download that as well. That's it, right? You're the adult. You're the boss on you. Figure it out. But now let's capture them. I would like you to capture at least three to five insights from this chapter. Don't overthink it. If you have 25, you're awesome. If you have five, still awesome. If you have one, keep going. You're not awesome yet. Ha <laughs> ha. A little tough love from the coach. Okay, do it. Write them down. Capture them. We're going to do this with every episode, guys. And by the end of the three months, you're going to be thick with insights. Okay, insights done. And even if they're not done, again, you have that insight in the shower tomorrow, write it down. There's no expiration date on capturing your insights. Of course, if it is in two weeks from now, you have to put it on the next worksheet. Okay, time for actions. So actions are the next steps you'd like to take toward your goal. Ready? Since your goal is unique to you, and I don't know what it is, these are going to be assigned by you to you, right? In this chapter, you already clarified and confirmed a SMART goal. You then reinforce that goal with a visualization practice. Spend at least 10 minutes picturing yourself achieving the goal, right? You did that. And babe, you can do it every day. I don't know why I keep calling you babe. I just, I'm just feeling some affection for you right now. You know, like we're in it. You're committed. So like you're my babe. Anyway, spend at least 10 minutes picturing yourself achieving the goal. You can do it daily if you like. It's totally up to you. If you want to continue to visualize it, put it on your actions below, right? Hey, I'm going to visualize that moment every day in the shower. All the good stuff happens in the shower. I'm going to visualize that moment every day as I commute to work. Or I'm going to give myself Sunday morning to visualize it while I have my coffee because I have a special Sunday ritual. Whatever your jam is, write it down, right? So now that you've established your goal, what are three to five actions that you'd like to take between now and the next episode? Between now and the next episode. Yeah, I'm holding you accountable, right? Three to five actions you want to take in the next set of days, probably going to be about two weeks, toward achieving it. There were so many reflection stop points in this episode, right? While answering those questions, did you gain clarity on actions you'd like to take, a person you want to reach out to, a memory you had, a photograph you want to dig up? You want to just sign up for tennis lessons again, pick up that oboe. I don't know. You know, man, you're the expert on you. Write it down. Write down the actions. Again, I'd like it to be three to five actions. Like, don't do more than 15. Don't do more than 12. Like, don't get too crazy. We got a month, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. We got a three-month marathon. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. Make these big actions and do them. Now, this is super important. Keep in mind that if an action item is on your list two episodes in a row and it's not getting done, you can't list it a third time. You need to face the fact that it's not getting done and either break it down into smaller components or ask yourself why it's not getting done. Is it still important? Did your goal change? Are you choking on something? Bring it up. Break it down. 
you're either going to do it or you're going to break it into smaller parts and do it, or you're going to say, this isn't important. This won't help me achieve my goal. And then don't do it. We'll do something else. Okay. But, but like, let's not even make this an issue. Let's just do what you say you're going to do. Have integrity, have accountability, do what you say you're going to do. And then we got no problems, babe. Okay. So that's it for now. Before you listen to the next episode, episode three, the whole life model. Ah, I, I just love the whole life model so much. And so will you. Before you listen to that, remember on the other side, there is a prep sheet. On that prep sheet, you're going to restate your goal, talk about how close you are to achieving that goal, what you've accomplished since you began listening to the podcast, what you didn't get done but wanted to do, what opportunities you have made available for yourself, and any other new insights or awarenesses that you've had, right? So you're going to have to do that homework, right? You are setting yourself some next steps to take, and I very much expect you to take them. 